You ready for basketball? No, not quite. Well, what about football? They are both fast approaching and will be here before we know it. We're going to talk both of these and much, much more with today's special guest. He is Mr. Doug Ormay. Doug is currently the play-by-play voice for the Bellarmine Basketball Knights in Louisville, but uh, he has handled a variety of play-by-play, color commentary, and sideline reporting duties for high school and college, football and basketball. His resume is seemingly endless. In fact, uh, many of you probably remember Doug from his many years serving as the morning sports reporter on KNN, the Kentucky News Network. So we will find out how he found his way to Kentucky after being a Northeasterner by birth. We will dive into many aspects of his career in sports casting, and of course, we will get his advice for aspiring sportscasters. So, grab that coffee or beverage of choice because ready or not, here it comes. Blab it in the bluegrass, season six, episode 12. Kentucky features so much more than basketball and horses. We're home to scenic spectacles and one-of-a-kind golf courses. If boating, fishing, dining, or music is your pleasure, we'll guide you to the sights and sounds that you will truly treasure. Cause we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide, cause we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste. From Oak Grove to Oklahoma, Owensboro to Owenton, we absolutely fit the Commonwealth just like a glove, if not better. Here on Blabbing in the Bluegrass as we thoughtfully and wholeheartedly explore and celebrate all things Kentucky on a weekly basis. How you doing? I'm Sam Moore here at the jaw-dropping, eye-popping North Quail Motel in beautiful Henderson, KY. And I got to tell you, my special guest and I were uh, sharing a little laugh before we started our conversation. Doug Ormay is the name, by the way, and that should sound quite familiar to most, if not all of you. But anyway, Doug and I were chuckling before we got going. Doug goes, you must have really been scraping the bottom of the barrel here at the end of the summer for you to ask me to come on your show. And Doug, I love you, man. You're the best. But uh, I must say that couldn't be any farther from the truth. I've been thinking about you for a long time, sir. And I got to tell you folks that uh, back in the day, my mornings were not complete if I didn't hear Doug Ormay's KNN morning sports reports before I left the car and headed into school for the day. Doug kept countless Kentuckians informed about their favorite teams on a daily basis. And like we told you, he has also handled a variety of play-by-play, color, and sideline assignments over the years. For instance, you may remember Doug from the Kentucky Utilities Sweet 16 radio network. He uh, helped to cover a number of Sweet 16 high school state basketball tournaments over the years. He has also handled sideline reporting for Louisville Cardinal football and uh, backup color commentary for Louisville Cardinal basketball 
when the uh, main commentator, Bob Valvano, had other duties to tend to. Bob was uh, actually an ESPN employee and would often have uh, network engagements to attend uh, to during Louisville Cardinal games. So in those cases, Doug Orme would step in and fill in admirably at Bob's color position, of course, accompanying Paul Rogers, who is the uh, longtime play-by-play voice of the Louisville Cardinals. Although... Doug would fill in for Paul on occasion as well because there were times when uh, Louisville basketball was going on at the same time as football and Paul would be covering the football game. So Doug would step in and handle play-by-play for Cardinal basketball. So he's versatile. He knows a little bit of everything and he continues to handle play-by-play for Bellarmine like we told you. Heck, he has even helped with uh, Kentucky Derby coverage in years past. And I know that had to be a thrill for uh, Doug Orme to uh, help with the broadcast of the fastest two minutes in sports, or at least the coverage on the local level on WHAS there in Louisville. So uh, a fascinating career for Doug Orme it has been, and we will find out more about it momentarily. But before we get to Doug, you know the drill. We have another Bluegrass Brain Buster. Now, I try to dish out one of these each and every week, to keep you on your toes. So we'll give you the question now. You can think about it while Doug and I chat. And at the end of the show, right before we bid you farewell, we will reveal the answer. Now, I'm not going to bust your brain as much as I normally do because uh, this is a true-false question. But here goes. True or false, the number of bourbon barrels in Kentucky is equal to the state's population. Again, true or false, the number of bourbon barrels in the state of Kentucky is equal to the state's population. Get the wheel spinning. You got a 50-50 shot at being right this time. And uh, we will let you know the answer at the conclusion of today's program. Best of luck. Sam Moore proudly presents his Commonwealth Crowd Pleaser. Well, today I am beyond pleased to welcome to the show a man with quite an impressive sports casting background, which dates all the way back into the 1970s. Uh, he is currently the play-by-play voice of the Bellarmine Knights basketball team in Louisville. He has uh, spent many years, or he did spend many years, uh, serving as the morning sports reporter on the Kentucky News Network. That's probably how uh, the vast majority of you remember him, but he also covered Kentucky high school football and basketball in the state tournament, and uh, he covered countless memorable games in that capacity, and he's handled derby coverage at uh, the Kentucky Derby, so we've got plenty that we can dive into, so uh, let's hear it for Doug Ormay. Thanks, Sam. I appreciate that. Well, Doug, we are we are sure glad you're here, and I tell you, it's uh, the middle of August as we sit here now. It's hard to believe that basketball season will be here before we know it, sir. Yeah, it seems like all sports now are 12 months a year, borderline uh, 24 hours, 365 days. I'm not so sure if that's necessarily good or bad, but uh, you, you have to kind of uh, – keep your ear to the ground uh, and kind of pay attention most of the time nowadays. And, you know, I've kind of gradually here as we get towards Labor Day, start looking at, you know, 
ramping up some preseason work that I do. And, you know, to be honest, sometimes those days are hard to kind of, you know, motivate yourself to do because you think the season, you know, doesn't start until early November. But, you know, as we move along in life, days seem to go by so quickly and, you know, it'll be here before you know it. So, yeah, you have to kind of uh, be aware of what's going on around the country uh, pretty much all the time. Oh, this is true. And, you know, Bellarmine fans, particularly U of L and UK fans, they can pretty much talk basketball all year long. <laughs> uh, no doubt about that. They, uh, Coach Davenport has really good line. Um, he, he understands, obviously, being a Louisville native, that, you know, the city is divided amongst not only Kentucky and Louisville, but there are pockets of Western Kentucky fans here and pockets of Indiana fans, you know, with the border, you know, just right on the river. Sure. Uh, so uh, he, he kind of looks at it like, you know, I understand he said the red and the blue, but uh, they all can join in and root for us. And that's kind of what he tries to, you know, talk about when he goes out and, you know, talks about his program and trying to, uh, you know, get some, uh, you know, some footing within the community with it. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, he's right about that. UK, UVL, Indiana, they can all unite as one for Bellarmine. And Scott Davenport has uh, done a heck of a job there. He's been the the uh, Bellarmine Knights men's basketball coach for uh, a long time. But anyhow, Doug, you, uh, before most of us knew who you were, you speaks your childhood days in Livingston, New Jersey. Now, is that on the is that on the Philly side of New Jersey or the New York side, Doug? No, that's the that's the northeast portion of the state. And I grew up. Uh, Livingston is about a town of twenty five thousand, uh, and I grew up there. Uh, and it's about twenty miles or so from Manhattan. Um, and it, that seems really close, and 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 it is, but. Really, it's just another whole nother world away when when you're growing up there. Uh, that that seems like you know miles and miles and miles. But uh, there were were parts of when you just left Livingston, went towards uh, uh, West Orange, uh, that that portion of, of New Jersey. You could look across this big where you, there'd be a mountain, and you'd look across there, and you could see the skyline of of New York City. And I spent I would go over there. A couple of times of year, uh, my dad took me to the old Yankee Stadium when I was very, very small. In fact, I found a couple of tickets from the very first time that I went and when I was doing some decluttering here uh, oh, a couple of years that? ago. Yeah, and it, it's amazing. You know, the, the date was 1959. And of course, the price of the tickets is the first thing that you look at. And oh, they were like $3.50, something like that. And I'm sure my dad came home and later complained to my mom, by golly, $3.50. How you know, dare they charge back, that much? <laughs> yeah, I can't believe that. You know, and he, he saw Ruth play near the end of his career. So we paid 50 cents to see, you know. So uh, I'm sure, you know, what's once old is new again. But yeah, that, that's where I grew up. And it was, it was a town where you could uh, walk everywhere. I walked every school I ever went to. Grew up at a, a swimming pool. A, a town community pool that I ended up working at later on as a lifeguard. So it was just, I had a bicycle, you know, drove, rode around and uh, could do a lot of things. Uh, kids played all the time in the street, in yards, at playgrounds, uh, morning, noon, night, uh, just really a good time to, uh, to grow up and a great place to grow up.
Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Livingston, New Jersey sounded like it brought just some some fond memories. And gosh, what people would give to pay just three dollars and fifty cents to go to a Yankees game now. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you mentioned Yankee Stadium back in '59, and you go with your dad. But uh, when would you say the uh, the sports bug really bits you hard, Doug? Oh, that's. You know, probably when I was pretty close to that age, you know, in that six, seven, eight-year-old range. Oh, uh-huh. uh, so it goes back a long way. I vividly remember uh, when uh, the home run chase of 1961, Maris and Mantle chasing, chasing the record then. And I can remember watching on the black and white TV uh, back then with, of course, obviously no satellite, no cable. That was years and years away from being... Uh, a part of our home, um, you know, watching all of those games and, you know, rooting hard and, and just being a New York sports fan growing up as, as starting as really a young kid in, in, in elementary school. Did you play any sports growing up, Doug? Well, I've tried to, uh, you know, <laughs> played a little bit of organized, uh, you know, grade school basketball, played Little League baseball, Babe Ruth baseball, but quickly realized, you know, as much as you wanted to go play for the Yankees, you know, you weren't going to go play for the Yankees. And, <laughs> and really, uh, I, can, I can remember this uh, pretty much verbatim, uh, you know, my dad having to sit me down and say, look, you know, I wasn't doing all that hot when I started out kind of in junior high, middle school, uh, from an academic standpoint, should have done better, had the capability to do better, didn't want to do better. You know, it was those 12 to 14 years Uh, age there that's difficult for a lot of kids and I struggled along there and he finally had to say look you're not going to play you know for the Yankees you know you're just not that good Uh, and you got to straighten up and apply yourself to something else and look he said if you you know if you want to be a ditch digger you can be a ditch digger and and, (laughs) you know he said you know you need ditch diggers I'm not I'm not putting down ditch diggers. I mean, you need people to work and do things like that. But oh, sure. That if you want to better yourself and to, you know, you need to kind of, you know, start to apply yourself. And I had kind of already, it maybe deep down and, you know, your, your, your initial reaction as a kid is to say, oh, I'll show you, you know, but deep down, you, you knew he was right. And, you know, thankfully, uh, really that conversation took place. But I had already started in a way kind of thinking about, some other aspects, a way to stay connected with sports. And I would listen to games on the radio from out of New York. And uh, Marv Albert was a, was a big influence on me. Oh, yeah, I remember Marv. And it just retired here a couple of years ago. And, you know, a real turning point. Not, I, well, maybe turning point's a little bit too strong because I think I would have still pursued this had, had he not done it. But I wrote him a letter. Uh, when I was in junior high and my parents tried to caution me and say, look, he gets a lot of letters. Don't be disappointed if he doesn't respond, all of that. And one day I came home from school and sure enough, there was a letter with the radio stations call letters on the outside envelope. And it was a letter from him and he did, and he did answer me and I have it to this day. And Marf Albert responded to you. So he did when he was pretty young himself, you know, this would have been like, in the mid 1960s to late 60s when you know marv was probably like 26 27 himself and was doing the mix at that time and was a big influence uh, that was a big motivator for me and 
so I kind of, you know, at that time started thinking maybe this was the way I wanted to go. And I would turn the sound down on the TV and get a tape recorder and try to broadcast the game off the TV. Oh, um, yeah. That's what my practice, dad and I always used to do. <laughs> practice that, that sort of thing. And little did I know that, uh, you know, 50 plus years later, I would have to do the same thing because during the uh, COVID season of 2020, 2021, I didn't travel with Bellarmine, had to do the games off the TV from my basement with the sound down and uh, through an Ethernet connection and all of that. So I, uh, I had actually had a little bit of experience doing games off television way back, you know, sure, in the early, that 60s, early 70s, but uh, <laughs> that, that wasn't much fun. But that's what I started doing as a kid and, you know, kind of went on from there with it. Right, yeah, <laughs> that, that doing games for Bellarmine in the basement during COVID that uh, you know brought back childhood memories. I know. And after high school graduation, Doug, you uh, packed your bags and headed for Pittsburgh, where you enrolled in Point Park University. So, uh, tell us about the the radio or maybe television exposure that that you received there, as well as. Your uh, time spent following slash covering the uh, the Point Park sports scene. Well, that, I didn't really probably do as much as I should have. Uh, I, I was on the uh, school radio station, did some sports casts and that sort of thing. And we were able to get some passes uh, to go to Pittsburgh Penguin hockey games. And that was my first experience maybe of dabbling with you know, interviewing athletes uh, who are professionals. And here I am, a you know, a college kid that knows nobody. And they allowed us to sit in the press box. And you know, we were, you know, uh, we behaved ourselves. We did what we were supposed to do. Uh, we weren't up there, you know, waving the pom-poms and cheering and this that sort of thing. But to be in a locker room with these stars, you know, you were kind of, uh, you know, intimidated at first. But then you realized that, uh, actually, the hockey guys were great to work with. They treated uh, uh, the college kids as uh, just as well as they did the guy who covered them for the Pittsburgh Press. So that part was good. Uh, I went over to Three Rivers Stadium at that time and uh, interviewed a pirate or two, uh, that sort of thing. One thing I didn't do that um, maybe I should have done, yeah, everybody looks at their life and say, well, maybe would have, could have, should have. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, I, I didn't try to get any type of intern work with, you know, a, a radio station there in the city. Probably should have done that. But I was focused on trying to get, you know, my, my school work done. I, uh, it, was, it was a fairly extensive uh, curriculum that I had to deal with from the standpoint of the number of credits you needed to graduate with a journalism degree. I didn't want to come back for basically a half a, a year, which would have meant you know, money for a meal plan and a half, you know, a year, half year of, you know, dorm fees, et cetera, et cetera. I wanted to get out in four years. And yeah. know, fortunately, fortunately, I did. And I, I took a lot of credits early in my career. So I didn't have to really kill myself as a senior. Uh, I had some journalism classes that were fairly easy for me. Uh, and when I was a senior, that gave me time to do it the old fashioned way of literally going to a book, uh, and finding radio stations around the country that maybe had some sports coverage, writing letters, typing them up with carbon paper. <laughs> you know, people today wouldn't understand what that was. You know, no internet to look up places or anything like that. And, you know, making tapes 
of things that I did do for the station, trying to send them out and wrote all these letters, got a lot of a lot of no responses, of course, but did get some back saying, you know, appreciate your interest. Thank you. And, you know, that sort of thing. So sure. even that rejection, so to speak, was fairly encouraging because at least somebody responded to you. And then uh, fortunately for me, somebody did and said, look, you know, come down and uh, talk with us, uh, station in Frostburg, Maryland, WFRB. And uh, I went down and lo and behold, they said, you know, we want you to come and start work. So all right. Uh, I, was able, I was able to do that. Uh, I had the job before I graduated and told them, look, you know, I want to finish up my school here and I will go home for a couple of weeks after graduation. I didn't have a vehicle at the time and uh, went home, got a car and started basically in the middle of June of 1975. 75. Well, that's awesome. So Frostburg, Maryland is it's where it all started for you. Now backtrack to uh, Point Park. I know that's a smaller college. Did they have? Did they have both football and basketball, or were they just a basketball school? They, they well, they had basketball and baseball, uh, golf, track and field, I believe. Uh, not that many sports. Uh, didn't even have their own place to play for home games. They played across the river at Allegheny Community College, and they were at that time an NAIA school. And gotcha. we, play, we played uh, teams like Clarion, Pennsylvania, Indiana, Pennsylvania, Mercyhurst. Uh, we went to Fairmont State in West Virginia and played, played Frostburg, uh, California, Pennsylvania, smaller schools. But you saw good players, good, good, exciting games. The competition was good, but it was at a very, you know, a lower level of, of college basketball. Certainly, but uh, <laughs> those were fun. I know, and I know you did some <laughs> some sports casting at the campus station there. Uh, any play by play by chance? Yeah, we actually had a, a crew that uh, a bunch of us we lived at, we were good friends, lived in the dorm together, and the five or six of us we actually videoed the games and we would alternate uh, positions. You know, one game I would work the camera. Uh, one game I would do the color. One game I would do the play-by-play. -play. Oh, so you uh, got a little taste of everything. Yeah, and we would no, no arguments, no egos involved. We all were, you know, able to, you know, negotiate, you know, through all of uh, that. We all agreed that taking turns is the best way to go, and so that's what we did. And uh, you know the, you know the only thing I had on tape was you know some of that, uh, and you know, a sports cast uh, when I sent out all this stuff to uh, to the radio station. So, uh, you know, again, maybe I could have done a little bit more, learned some more tricks of the trade. But, you know, when I look back on it, I could have done that. But things turned out pretty well. So, yeah, I'm absolutely. Pretty, <laughs> and, I'm pretty and pleased with how it, how it worked out. Oh, and <laughs> we are too, because we we enjoy your uh, your sports coverage, and that was uh, that was good experience doing the you know play by play color and the camera work with the with your buddies there at, at Park Point. Now, seventy five is when you went to Frostburg and you got that first uh, radio job. Uh, I know you first started covering sports full time and in seventy seven. So, talk about some of the other duties that you. Uh, held in, in radio in those first two years before 77. Yeah, actually, I was brought on to be like a morning news person. Uh, and th that meant my day, I started like at six in the morning and I would work till about two. 
in the afternoon. That was kind of uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday mornings. I'm trying to remember now. Thursday night, I had to work a, uh, not an overnight shift because we signed off like at 11, I guess. But I came in at like four and had to stay on the air until sign off. And that was the case of doing some news early in the afternoon and through the evening, but also playing country and Western music. Oh, country music. <laughs> yeah. So I had to, you know, disc jockey as it were uh, back then. And that was okay. Uh, I didn't, wasn't wild about it, but, but it was fine. The, uh, then I, I had Saturday off. Uh, I came back in Friday morning since the sign-off was 11. It didn't have to be in at 6, but I came in like maybe 9 on Friday morning, worked through the end of the, you know, 4.30, 5 o'clock. Uh, and then Sunday morning had to do basically on from 6 in the morning until 4 in the afternoon. And that was a, basically a religious programming that you were involved with, uh, putting on tapes, bringing uh, people of, uh, you know, the ministry uh, on to do their programs. And uh, that was a long Sunday. That was a long Sunday. Yeah, that's almost half a day, six to four. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, uh, didn't appreciate that. But I mean, that's all part of the you know job. You have to do things that you don't want to do some of the time. And, you know, I kept thinking about how am I going to get to be, you know, a sports person? The, the station broadcast Frostburg State College games, but the person who did the games was their regular Monday through Friday morning guy. And he was uh, on there. Uh, and I would kind of run the board sometimes for uh, the football games and, and basketball games. Uh -huh. But but I wasn't involved in any type of, you know, on the air coverage of it. Uh, so I kept thinking, how am I going to do this? And of course, you think at that time when you're 21 or 22 that you, you know all there is to know. But really, uh, you don't know what you don't know. You're just that, a pup, as my elders at, used to say. At that, you know, at that point. Uh, so you have to learn and you, you realize that you don't know as much as you think and you you're humbled a bit uh, and that's fine. So that <laughs> helps you learn. But, you know, there was one time when uh, the person who does uh, this was during basketball season, who does the games, his wife was ill and he had to stay home. So to be honest, the, uh, the station manager felt that I was the only person he knew of my interest in sports uh, that he felt comfortable with me, you know, doing the game. So I wasn't sure about any of the equipment back then. It was totally different than it is now, but there was other people there who did. So he sent uh, a person with me and we went on the road to, I guess we played to Frostburg played Robert Morris up in Pittsburgh. So oh, we went on a little there. road trip. So he went up there, did the game. I did the game uh, and had it to recording of it. And that was the only recording I had of, of a play-by-play -play broadcast that I ended up sending out uh, to the station in, in Paintsville to, to get me my sports job, get that part of my career going. Paintsville. So let's see, the station over there is WSIP, correct? Right. And that's where you started <laughs> in 77. Talk about your, your duties at the at WSIP and the sports that you covered there. That was a culture shock uh, because, yeah. <laughs> again, having grown up in the Northeast and you move to the mountains of Eastern Kentucky, that's a that's quite a bit dis different. Uh, you have to turn it around. It would be like somebody moving from there up to you know Northern New Jersey. That that would be a, 
a kind of a culture kind of a thing uh, at initially. But uh, yeah, I, I put this on tape, sent it out, uh, and they said, well, he's got some potential. We can, you know, work with him here a little bit. And, you know, I got there in February. Uh, so, you know, the, they had to get me up to speed really quickly because the district tournaments and the regional and the Sweet 16 and all that was, you know, right around the corner. So there I am jumping in like the deep end or what I thought was the deep end <laughs> right. uh, at, at the time trying to get up to speed. And I had there's some people there helped me, uh, which was you're always uh, appreciative of that. And fortunately for me, I, I was able to uh you know, establish a good relationship pretty early with coaches and even, you know, the fan base who always are curious about who's this foreigner coming in to, you know, be on the radio and talk about our kids and that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, I, I would come in and uh, I had like a midday sportscast to do as part of a news block and then also one late in the afternoon. Didn't have to be there early in the morning, but I had play-by-play -play responsibilities for high school football, basketball, and baseball and did a half hour uh, Monday through Friday uh, sports at your service. They called it a talk show. Uh, so I had that service. <laughs> and then uh, I did that for, I guess that first year uh, to get me kind of started. And then you know, kept the talk show uh, for as long as I was there, but uh, continued the play by play of the high school for as long as I was there and had minor league baseball show up there too. Uh, in the late 70s and traveled with them all summer. Oh, that's uh, cool. Never realized. <laughs> Never realized Paintsville had minor league baseball. It, it was terrific. Uh, they play, it was in the rookie league, Appalachian League, and it was basically a short, what they call short A, uh, not the from April through August. It was basically mid-June through the 1st of September, and you played, uh, I guess, a 72 game or 70 games in 72 nights. And it, it's, it's a grind. Uh, it was bus rides. It was, uh, you know, arriving back home at, you know, four in the morning and a game, of course, the next night. Uh, so it, uh, it, was, uh, it was fun, but I got to see guys who later went on and played in the major leagues. Sure. And so that was, that was fun. And uh, it, it got crazy in about this time of year because the high school football started and you were trying to do both. And there were times where I would miss a baseball game to do a high school football game. Right, because uh, they were going on at the same time. Yeah, because the high schools were going to be there 365 days. Uh, the baseball was only going to be here for like 70 days. So yeah, a little different. <laughs> so the, the sponsors and the work and that sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it got crazy in, in August a little bit, but uh, when I look Sorry. back on it, uh, it was a lot of fun. Yes, it, it does sound fun. Now, uh, as far as the high schools go, I know they got two of them. Did you cover both Paintsville and Johnson Central? Primarily Paintsville, but I ended up later on uh, actually doing a little bit of both. Uh, when I say later on, toward the latter part of my time there, mid-80s maybe, uh, doing some of... Uh, Johnson Central schemes. Initially, too, uh, we uh, the station tried to really make a lot of coverage into uh, Martin County. So at the time, the high school was Sheldon Clark, and now I think it's uh, Martin County High or Martin Central. Uh, it's been gone for a while, so I kind of lose track. It's almost like the college scene now. The schools 
consolidate and or they close and others, you know, come in or built, renamed, all that sort of thing. But uh, Sheldon Clark at that time, uh, Johnson Central, Paintsville, and McGoffin County uh, were the four teams in the 57th district that uh, we focused on primarily. But then in, you know, when the regional tournament came, uh, all of the stations did that up and down the big Sandy River, Elkhorn City, a couple in Pikeville, a couple in Prestonsburg, ourselves. Uh, so it was, uh, it was a happening place there uh, in the late 70s, early 1980s. That's cool. So all the all the regional stations carried the regional tournament, basically. Yep, sure did. Sure <laughs> did. No, we, we tried to think, you know, we always thought ours was the best. You know, we'd come on and do more pregame stuff and uh, it is competition. But, sure. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> but it was it was good. I mean, it was uh, it was fine and a lot of fun. Oh and, yeah. Uh, and then I was I was lucky that at the time, uh, Paintsville was part of uh, they and uh, a station in Ashland and a station in Hazard uh, formed a little bit of a network, and I was able to go right away in 1977 to be a part of that, and did maybe four or five games of the uh, of the Sweet 16 on on that little Eastern I guess they called it the East Kentucky Sports Network at the time. And uh, so I did did yeah. those games then, and then things kind of expanded a bit uh, to the Kentucky Network, which I used to kind of file reports for uh, from the mountains, uh, just on things that were going on sports-wise. They got to know me through that uh, and heard some of my games, and I guess uh, have a real good friend who uh, worked at that time with the network, and he brought me on to to help out with their coverage. And that would have been like in 84, 83, 84, somewhere huh. in there, so 85. About mid 80s. Yeah, and uh, uh, stayed with them right up through 2018, to be honest. There you go. So that worked out nicely. Of course, now we have the statewide six, Sweet 16 Radio Network for the uh, men's and women's state tournament. So, um, so about the mid 80s is when you got to the Derby City. Right, 1986. Uh, I had, you know, been trying to, you know, further my career a little bit. Sent out a lot of tapes, resumes. There were times I thought I was going to leave. I thought I had opportunities. Uh, one in Iowa, one in South Carolina, and for whatever reason, didn't work out. Uh, but uh, and you thought, man, you know, this is <laughs> it's hard. I mean, when you're trying to, you know, advance, it's 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 a tough. Uh, tough way to climb the ladder. It's, it's difficult to do, but I'd again done some work with the network through uh, my time in Paintsville. So they brought me down here in the, uh, in the mid 1980s. And uh, I've been here ever since. Hey, Colin, we're, we're glad you stay because like, like I said, we've enjoyed your work. Now when uh, many of our listeners think of Doug or May, uh, no doubt they, they remember your, your year spent as morning sports reporter for KNN or the Kentucky News Network. And although, uh, gosh, the people and the stories that you covered as a, a KNN reporter are uh, far too numerous to mention, but why don't you share with us uh, a few of the most memorable or significant athletes and events that you tracked for your uh, morning KNN reports? Yeah, that that's 
number one, it meant getting up early. Oh, yes. <laughs> <You know>? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So that it meant leaving the house at like quarter to four, uh, you know, every morning. So that was, and then, you know, again, you, you'd leave at noon, basically, or 11 o'clock, 1130, somewhere along the line. People yeah. would say, oh, you have banker's hours. I said, no, I don't. Not hardly. <laughs> yeah, you, I'm, you're not getting up at quarter to four. Uh, but yeah, that, so I did that Monday through Friday. And then uh, a lot of times I would go to Lexington, covered Kentucky uh, for uh, football and basketball. I was on the Kentucky Football Radio Network uh, for three years as their sideline uh, reporter. That was fun. Kaywood Ledford did the play-by-play -play at that time. Ralph Hacker uh, was the color person. I was the on-field sideline person. And this would have been like 86 through, uh, I did it three years, 86, 87, and 88. Jerry Claiborne was the head coach. And there were players like Mark Higgs there, the running back from Owensboro. And Bill Ranstall from Elizabethtown was a quarterback at that time. Oh, yeah. Uh, who, uh, Mark Logan, who played at, uh, I think, one of the Lexington schools, Brian Station, I think, uh, was a good running back for Kentucky. So, again, got to travel, flew on the plane and all of that, went to a lot of the, it went to all of the games. Uh, so that's where I started, you know, traveling a bit, being going to Ole Miss, going to Georgia, going to Florida, going to Tennessee, uh, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, and then, Unfortunately, and, and for basketball, I would do like a halftime show from the studio in Louisville and then the post-game scoreboard show from Louisville. And, gotcha. and TV was totally different then. There were a couple of times when Ralph had a TV uh, assignment with the SEC and that meant Kaywood needed a partner. So they allowed me to go and work with him on a couple of occasions as quote unquote uh, analyst per se. Um, well, that was fun. I know. Yeah, that, that was a, a very nice man. Uh, terrific uh, to work with. Uh, never, you never felt like, you know, he was so much above you. He made you feel a part of things that you were working with him, not working for him, which is a, a nice trait or skill to possess. And it, that was a lot of fun. Uh, but then yeah. bad news happened. Bad news happened too, because we lost the rights. And that's all part of the game. And sure. so, so when that happened, I was out uh, as a sideline person. And uh, I still went and covered the games on a, uh, a weekly or nightly basis, depending on the season, to bring back you know, some tape to use on the radio the next morning. Highlights, uh, yeah. In the sports, yeah. Uh, and those were tough days because, again, basketball, they play these games and they start them at all times. And by the time you get home, it's well after midnight. And you don't fall asleep right away. And uh, then you're up at four the next morning to get to work. It's, it, it, it was lots of short nights. <laughs> yeah, you, you had to sleep fast, as I used to try and do. Yes, you but, did have to sleep fast. But, but it, it, uh, I did that for a number of years. Uh, sometimes I think, why did I do that? Uh, but I did. And uh, then uh, I guess that I did that through like the early 2000s. And then, you know, one day Paul Rogers, who does the Louisville games, still does, uh, said, hey, look, we, we need a sideline reporter for next season for football. You know, could, would you do that? Can you do that for us? And I said, heck, yes. So that's when I started with Louisville. That would have been like in the early 2000s. There you go. So, so you you have the the unique distinction as somebody who has uh, 
covered both UK and UVL athletics. Yeah, <laughs> yes, uh, did did sidelines for football and uh, basketball. I was kind of like uh, the backup play-by-play person for Louisville right. uh, when we would have conflicts with football, basketball, doubleheaders. Paul would go do one, I would do the other. Um, and for basketball, sometimes I was like, if Bob Valvano had an ESPN assignment, I would do, you know, the color with Paul. And he had a lot of those, which was good for him. And it was also good for me uh, because it got me on the air more. And, you know, I traveled a lot with, with Louisville uh, all over uh, and uh, went to the Big East tournament number a number of times. That was fun going back to New York and Madison Square Garden where I'd gone as a kid to see the Knicks play. And you got to remember yeah. this all goes goes back to Marv Albert. And I'm thinking, wow, I'm not I'm going to be on the air in the same building that I used to listen to games from when I was 12, 13 years old, dreaming of the day. <laughs> it all and, came full circle. <laughs> and now here I am doing it. I, I, I just to this day, I, it's I can't believe it. Uh, so it's fine. So that's what happened with so that's what happened with Louisville, uh, and right. uh, did did a fair amount of uh, you know games with them, and and they were they were fun to be around. I can imagine, yes, indeed. As uh, as I know, UK was too. Now, how many how many years were you with uh, K and N as a sports reporter, Doug? Uh, that would have been from nineteen eighty six through november of 2006 okay because i remember i know i remember hearing you are in the early 2000s so that yeah, they, was a... it, in the in the middle of november of 2006 they told me they didn't need my services anymore oh wasn't that <laughs> nice of them so oh, yeah they, they they do that on friday so they they get a full week's work out of you uh, <laughs> before but, they let you know uh-huh. yeah but, but that's that's fine because the, the Louisville said yeah you can still stay on and be a part of the uh, of our team uh the, with the radio team so that was fine and the other thing that was great about it is uh is my wife has uh, had a very good career herself and I tell people all the time you know the way you can make it is uh to have marry someone that makes a lot more money than you and, and, and she, <laughs> she supported me a lot, you know, during, well, my whole career. So, uh, and remember now she's on the other end of the uh, spectrum. She's being uh, awakened late at night when I come in and then awakened again early in the morning when I have to get up and leave. You woke up. <laughs> so, so it wasn't that, that easy there either, but uh, she, she supported me a lot uh, uh, the entire time I've been doing this and t- does to this day. So uh, that that's important too. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's good that uh, you were able to stay on with UVL even after uh, K&N ended. And I know that uh, that kept you pretty busy. Now, you were blessed to also call plenty of high school football and basketball, especially in the state tournament time, like we said, for the uh, – uh, Sweet 16 network in basketball, and I know they have a, uh, a statewide network for football, too. And you called a number of, of classic games, but one that I want to focus on for a second is the uh, the 2001 2A state title game in football, which uh, Bardstown won to complete a, a remarkable 
undefeated season. So d- describe what that was like and the the excitement that you felt. And what stands out to you when you when you think back on the the action that you covered in that game? Well, you know, all of those games are are really you know high energy. You know, there there's a team that uh, you know just just had everything clicking at that moment, and that's what you need. I mean, and sometimes it's not the the most talented that wins, although they had talent, there's no question about it, uh-huh. uh, but it, it's, it's the team that's playing well at the time. And they had both, they had talent and they played well, you know, at, at exactly the right time. And uh, gosh, that was a long time ago. That's what 21 years or so ago. Yeah. Uh, that's hard to believe over two decades back. Yeah. That that's uh, now we're going back now And these games as your career moves on, I don't want to say they all kind of run together, but, uh, you know, and, and the athletes do, you know, the, the games, uh, it, it's really hard to pinpoint, you know, maybe one that was really uh, a spectacular one. That I do remember a game between uh, a state championship game between uh, Nelson County and Paul Lawrence Dunbar, I believe. And it was oh. ex- extremely exciting. At that time, there were not, six classes I think there were still only four uh and that was an extremely exciting you know you know four a game uh and maybe one of the maybe the best and I didn't broadcast this in fact I snuck into the back of old Cardinal Stadium right at the end because there was a Louisville basketball game that I was working that day and the football finals were being played literally across the parking lot at Cardinal Stadium but it was Trinity and Mail and it, it was male with Michael Bush and Trinity with Brian Brom. And oh, packed house, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, and it was like 56-53. Neither team. Oh, gosh. Well, you had to, <laughs> Not you much defense. High, you had high-level offensive players there with Bush and Brom. Oh, and Trinity yeah. Ended up, and Trinity won it, but I remember standing in the, uh, in the stands freezing because it was very cold that day, you know, watching uh, – this thing unfold for, I guess, some of the last quarter. But so that one stands out. And, you know, I, to be honest, I didn't do that many of the football games. I did more of of the basketball tournaments. But you were <laughs> you were more heavily involved with the Sweet 16 basketball tournaments. I know you did a lot of play-by-play for those, but you also did some, uh, some sideline reporting and interviewing of uh, players and coaches too, didn't you? A little bit. Mostly I was the uh, the play-by-play person. Uh, we would have, you know, halftime guests, of course, and interviews that way. But we would have uh, myself and either uh, Stan Harden, the former Fair- Fairdale coach, or Cameron Mills, the former Kentucky player. They would be my partners on uh, the on the play-by-play. And uh, Carl Nafee, who's the PA announcer at Kentucky. Oh, sure. One of my former guests, too. Yeah, he, Carl... Uh, <laughs> Uh, did uh, sideline reports for us and did a really great job on, on the Sweet 16 network with us. Yeah, so, so you had a a great crew there for sure and did uh, lots of great football and basketball high school games that uh, that you were a part of. And then, like we mentioned, you avail. And uh, are you still an alternate for Bob Belvano during basketball season? No, no. I, once, I, once the Bellarmine thing happened uh, in uh, right at the end of the uh, – I guess, 15, 16 season. My first year at Bellarmine was 16, 17. Once that happened, uh, you know, I could not do, uh, couldn't do both. It, w- right. it would not have been, would not <laughs> have been fair either way. 
And uh, and to be honest, Bellarmine really needed their own kind of identity, and that's kind of the best way to go about it. Sure, and plus, Uvell and Bellarmine's games often coincide, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, there there would have been some conflicts, um, and we ended up uh, at that time when Bellarmine was still in the Great Lakes Valley Conference in Division Two. They would play some exhibition games prior to the start of their regular season, and they would play uh, Louisville. And I remember the first year that I was on with Bellarmine, they played at Louisville, at the University of Cincinnati, and at Indiana. And so those were the three games. And you, you know at that point that, look, you're not going to play anybody <laughs> all season as good as those teams. Yeah, <laughs> so it, it was a good it was a good way for them to prepare uh, for the start of their uh, Division Two season, and uh, we 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 did that. I'm trying to remember. I guess we played. I'm not sure we played Indiana again, but we played uh, Louisville and Cincinnati uh, a lot because of Coach Davenport's association, not only with Louisville where he worked and went to school, but he and Mick Cronin are good friends. And okay, uh, long time Cincinnati coach was Mick. Right. Bellman. So Mick, <laughs> Mick uh, agreed to play uh, play Bellerman. And uh, Bellerman, uh, to kind of fast forward for just a second, played UCLA last year uh, out in oh, Las Vegas. That's when, where Mick Cronin is now. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and Bellerman is going to go to UCLA in November to play uh, against the Bruins and Mick Cronin uh, this year, too. So they, they have that relationship. And uh, UCLA has been uh, good enough to uh, put Bellarmine on their schedule here the last couple of seasons. Absolutely, and I tell you that uh, that that proves that Bellarmine coach Scott Davenport he's he's not afraid to play anybody, is he? <laughs> no, last year, in fact, they became the only team in the history of college basketball in the month of November now to play the teams ranked first, second, and third in the in the poll. How about that? And they played Purdue, Gonzaga, and UCLA. That's a uh, talk about a gauntlet. <laughs> that, that was tough. And in the middle there, uh, they had uh, St. Mary's of uh, California, who's very good, uh, was in the NCAA tournament this past year. Uh, and they also played at Murray State. Uh, and they played at West Virginia. So, yeah, they uh, now look, <laughs> they got money to do that. Let's not that, that helped. Know, let's <laughs> that not was a perk. Let's not pretend that you know that they did not. Uh, but they also gained a lot of experience, and I think it really helped them once they got into their schedule and when the Atlantic Sun or the A Sun conference play started. Yeah, they were <laughs> certainly battle tested to say the least. Now, uh, let's see. You started Bellarmine in 2016, and. Uh, you were off in 2019, but now you're back and uh, you resumed in the 2020 season. You've uh, you've been there ever since. Your your color commentator is Mark Bug. So uh, describe what it's like to share a broadcast with such a, a a basketball virtuoso like Mr. Bug. Yeah, he he knows a lot about the game and, and has literally grown up in the same neighborhood as Coach Davenport. He's a couple of years older, but has known Scott since they were like 10, 11 years old uh, and ended up working with him as an assistant at Ballard, uh, was there in, when they won the state championship uh, in 88 uh, 
you know, Allen Houston was on that Ballard team, you know, just a tremendous player. And you could just look at him and say, boy, that guy, you, know, you see a lot of great high school players and you think, well, you know, they're good, but this guy was really good. And he ended up obviously going into the pros and. Yeah. Uh, Allen did pretty well for himself. Yeah. He, he, he did. Okay. Played with the <laughs> Knicks, uh, played with the Knicks for several years and is still a member of their front office, I guess. But uh, anyway, Mark was there with coach D then. And then went with him over to uh, Bellarmine when Scott uh, got the job in the uh, at the 0506 season. That was his first year there. And Mark stayed on for a few years as an assistant. And then things, I guess, got a little crazy with his other jobs. He did some work with banking and teaching in schools and stuff. And it just became, you know, too con time consuming. And so Scott said, look, you know, I can understand that. But can you at least help with the radio? So Mark had, I, I'm not sure how much experience he actually had with that, but he knew the program. He knew how Coach Davenport wanted to play. New basketball. Uh, new basketball. So uh, he, uh, he started that, I guess, uh, maybe 10, 11 years or so ago. Uh, and he's on cloud nine right now, by the way, because his nephew is a guy named Parker Bug who just got called up to the Miami Marlins as a oh, pitcher. Oh, we'll be listening for that name. Pitcher, huh? Yeah, he's a pitcher, reliever, and he he actually texted me during the game last night because, uh, or I guess when this airs, it would have been the game Monday night, uh, and because he thought the Marlins starter was piling up a lot of pitches and he was getting nervous. He thought they might bring Parker into the game. Uh, but uh, Sandy Alcantara has been one of the best pitchers in the league uh, this season. So he kind of got his pitch count back in order and they was able to go like seven plus innings. So Parker didn't get in in the Monday night game, but we'll see. I uh, just got called up, was assigned to their roster on, on Sunday. Uh, so Mark's really happy about that. Parker's really paid his dues in the minors and age 27, he finally gets the call up there. So, but he's been great to work with. He helped me uh, a lot uh, with learning about the Great Lakes Valley teams uh, about how they play, about arenas, where they where they are, what to expect, uh, just things like that to kind of help me get my feet wet. Uh, yeah, you know, that that first season. Thanks to talk about on the uh, on the broadcast too, but I'm I'm definitely happy for for Mark and way to go, Parker. That's uh, that's quite exciting for uh, for the both of them. Now, obviously, Bellerman has. Uh, you know, gained a lot of attention and headlines of late with their uh, transition to Division One. We are entering their uh, their third year now of of Division One play, and uh, although the basketball team has they've taken some some understandable lumps in their first few years of uh, of D one play, but they've also shown promise. Shoot, they won the uh, Atlantic Sun title this past season and so that's that's quite impressive so what do you think general expectations are for Bellarmine among those around the the basketball program and what are you looking forward to seeing most when uh, the Knights return to the hardwood well what, what I'm hoping to eventually see is the ruling that will allow teams to transition from division two to division one if they're good enough to win a conference tournament, be allowed to play in the NCAA tournament. Oh, absolutely. 
Yeah. They're not allowed to do that right now. There is a four-year transition period, and they keep putting off, they being the uh, NCAA, a vote to maybe, if not eliminate it entirely, at least cut it down a couple of years. Uh, and look, I understand the intent. A lot of these teams, schools, think they want to play at the Division I level. Then they realize, boy, this is expensive. It, it costs a lot of money to get to entry fees into the organization, into conferences. And now all of a sudden, can we make enough money to make this work without having to cut sports, which nobody wants to do? No. And so they kind of say they put these restrictions or transitions in to try to keep people from saying, you know, let's not bite off more than we can chew here. But Bellarmine had guys last year graduate with a total of eight degrees. Oh, my goodness. So eight degrees. With, and that was involving, let's see, one, two, four players uh, with a total of eight degrees. So, in other words, they're doing exactly what they should be doing, playing well, having success, and graduating. Yeah, excelling the, academically. <laughs> the exact things that the NCAA likes to, you know, champion and talk about. And here, what perfect example would this be than to have somebody like them get into the NCAA tournament? Uh, that would have been a, a talking point. But uh, Bellerman at that point won the conference tournament and felt uh, that they should have been allowed, number one, to play in the NCAA. But they realized when they first started this venture, they knew that the four-year transition period took place. I mean, they knew uh, they, that wasn't, you know, all of a sudden pulled on them. It wasn't a you surprise. Know, yeah, they, they were not surprised, but their argument is that, you know, can you make an exception? And certainly, if okay, if not the NCAA tournament, why not allow us to play in the NIT? Yeah, and that would have NCAA, been a nice though, start. The NCAA owns the NIT. Right. Uh, they, they, run, they run it. So, of course, the same rules apply. And Bellarmine appealed and, you know, it, it was a national bit there for a day or two. Uh, it got mentioned on the national television and uh, that sort of thing. So they got some attention. In fact, they got as maybe more attention oh, yeah. for that than they would have if they had gone into the tournament. So uh, that that certainly, you know, maybe helped them as far as, you know, their profile as a university is, yeah. uh, is concerned. But uh, so they... <laughs> They didn't get in, uh, and then I guess decided, well, if that's the case, nothing can top what happened at Freedom Hall that night when they won the ASUN championship and the court storming and the biggest crowd of the year and all of that. And they just decided, you know what, if we can't do that, we will not play in any postseason Right. You know, <laughs> they ended on a high note that night. Yeah, they they ended, you know, they were one of a couple of teams that ended the year with a win. Now, I guess you could always paint the argument the other way. Look, they should have gone and played in the CBI like they did the year before. There will be other times down in the years to come that maybe they will be hoping for an invite. People will remember that they didn't go to it now. Uh, and so they'll pick somebody else. But, you know, you got to do what you feel is right for your players and you feel like you've earned a spot to do something. And uh, that was their choice, that they decided they we've done enough to, to show that we belong uh, at this level. 
and uh, they decided, you know, to to not play anymore. And okay, uh, so now you uh, you know you think about this this coming season, and they put off the vote again on this transition uh, eligibility ruling, and it's a little bit frustrating at the time at this time for them because. Uh, the more the NCAA, the more they put it off, the more you think they're just finally going to say, nope, sorry, can't do it. Four years, that's it. Uh, be yeah, quiet. That, <laughs> that being and, the case, there's still two years left for Bellarmine. Yeah, so this would be their third year, and uh, I don't care if they're 30 and 0 this year. They're not uh, – that would – if as long as something doesn't happen, like at the end of this month, uh, they – I guess they, they put off the vote till later on in the month uh, – you know, maybe that could change. Uh, they've tried their best. They've written letters and lobbied and, you know, gotten, you know, big high profile type folks try to go to bat for them on their behalf. But so far, uh, no, uh, no luck in that regard. Right. And it, it is, you know, it, it is a bit unfair because I, I know Bellerman could have very easily pulled some, <laughs> some upsets in the tournament last year and, and Mike, this year, if uh, you know if things change and, and somehow they're they're given the opportunity, but they're they're going to be fun to watch nonetheless. And uh, I know things are you know momentum's really starting to to pick up for that program. And uh, you mentioned all the places they went last year, and I'm sure they're gonna I'm sure they're gonna play the gauntlet at the beginning of this year too. Yes, they have games with uh, Louisville. That's their opener. Uh, wow. at, the Yum at the Yum Center. That's in early November. Uh, they have a game at Clemson. Uh, they have a game at Duke. Uh, they have games in California Thanksgiving week with uh, Loyola Marymount, who they played last year here, and, and UCLA. And then they come back across the country and they play that school down in Lexington this year for the first time. Uh, Kentucky that, and Bellarmine. <laughs> that'll be... Uh, I think that's the 29th of November. Okay, uh, now, so right after Thanksgiving. <laughs> right. Uh, it's it's going to be a busy time because they have to come from California back east and then play uh, at Kentucky, I guess, two days after playing UCLA. Oh, so that'll be a quick trip. Yeah, well, it'll be, it'll be uh, it's, it's tough. Travel is difficult. I told a lot of the players last year, I said, I don't know how much you'll learn about basketball in these, with playing these teams. You'll learn something. But what you'll really learn is traveling is difficult uh, because Bellarmine is not chartering. You know, they're on the uh, regular airline schedule as we all are. And uh, it's not a charter like uh, the Kentuckys and the Louisvilles and the big time programs do. But that's all part of it. And they'll, they, they, uh, and again, let's be honest there, they're going to get paid for this. Uh, and, exactly. and, but, but they'll gain, but they'll gain some experience. And uh, it's, it's great for the players. They'll always be able to talk about it. Uh, and part of going to college is learning and traveling and appreciating the different experiences in different areas of the country. And, and that's, you know, you can't put a price on that. Oh, no. No, it's definitely an eye-opener. And Kentucky Bellarmine, November 29th, a lot of us are going to be on – on that game for sure. And make sure that you folks catch Doug Ormay and Mark Bugs play by play in color, respectively, for all of the uh, Bellarmine games all season long. And um, those are on the ESPN radio station up there in Louisville, right? Yeah, that'd be, uh, I think this year, be, and I haven't really gotten any other 
haven't really had any notification from the station exactly as to what station it'll be on, but because the, the Louisville ESPN company has like three or four uh, stations here in town. Sure. Uh, last year, we were predominantly on 93.9, uh, the FM station, but uh, they've entered into a contract with Louisville for exclusive broadcasts of their games. Uh, oh, so fun. we're, we're going to have to be uh, on a, and another station, which I believe is going to be on the AM side, AM 680. But people can listen by going to the Bellarmine website, and that's bunights.com, one word. And there will be links there that can take you to uh, the sports page and then to men's basketball. And then there will be a way to get to the schedule. And then it'll say, you know, live broadcast or video. So you can you can find it uh, if you get on bunights.com. The, uh, the, the broadcast will come up there. So that's easy enough. So you can stream it online and you can listen, we believe, on 680. But check uh, social media at beunites.com for uh, additional updates uh, on that front as well. Well, uh, Doug, we've certainly enjoyed talking to you. And uh, lastly, before we let you go, for youngsters in our audience who uh, perhaps have a, a vested interest in sports and a strong desire to perhaps cover sports for a living. What do you believe to be the, the biggest secrets to success in that career path? Well, you have to be yourself uh, and be what I call politely persistent. Uh, you have to try, and I was very poor at this, unfortunately. Uh, actually, maybe I was doing it without kind of uh, realizing it, but you have to try to get to know folks and kind of what you know, the, the buzzword is network, you know, with, uh, with people. Uh, to me, I kind of prefer the phrase building relationships. Uh, sometimes network to me means, you know, what can you do for me? Uh, building relationships can be, what can I do for you, which in turn can maybe be beneficial to me. Um, so try to, you know, hang around, uh, get to know people in the business, uh, and, you know, offer to kind of help in some way, shape, or form. Uh, and then, then it just becomes a matter of, you know, really working hard at it and trying to build, you know, a resume of, uh, uh, of your work, be it written or spoken or any type of, you know, or visual. Uh, and uh, and it, it may not be a person, when, when you meet someone, it may, may, may not be that person who helps you you know, be hired, but maybe that person says, I know a person, call this person, tell them I called. And then that person then serves as the middleman to the person that can help you if you kind of follow what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, exactly. They, they might not be the one to hire you, but they give you a recommendation. Right. And they can <laughs> put you in touch with someone who is hiring and allow you to use their name. So, but again, be yourself and try to be, uh, be humble uh, and, and be, but be hungry. You know, you've got to, uh, uh, you never really <laughs> arrive. I mean, as the, you get experience and you learn how to do things and you can not cut corners, but you learn how to work a little bit. So you can kind of know what people expect, uh, to hear or to, uh, uh to, to want to know, and you can kind of tailor your preparation around that. But the big thing is try to be, be be humble, be hungry, and 
and again, try to build relationships with people uh, uh, in the field and, you know, don't come across as somebody as, uh, you know, as a know-it-all, you know, come across as somebody who listens. Yeah, or never know-it-alls. <laughs> and, 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 and wants to learn. Absolutely. Humble but hungry. I like that. Just work hard and, and be yourself. Great words of wisdom from Doug Orbay himself. Doug, thanks so much for joining us. We look forward to uh, an exciting season of Bellarmine basketball with uh, you and Mark Bug behind the mic this year. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. We'll be here before we know it. Sam, thanks for having me today. Thank you a lot. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. Sure have. He's been around the block enough to know how to be the pro's pro. And I tell you, Doug was such a great guest this week. Such wonderful stories about the people he has interacted with and worked with and even covered in the field of play. Now, guys and gals, make sure you're ready for Bellarmine Knights basketball when the season rolls around this November. Again, the website that you need for online streaming is BU Knights. Dot com Again, that's B-U-K-N-I-G-H-T-S. But I tell you what, to make life even easier for you, I will link you to that site in my show notes as well so that you can link directly there from here and find out all you need to know about how to enjoy play-by-play of Bellarmine basketball online with Doug Ormay and Mark Bug. We believe they will be on the radio on ESPN 680 in Louisville this season, but that's not confirmed, so... Keep your eyes peeled to that website as well as other social media outlets for further details. And make sure that you don't miss a minute of this upcoming season, which promises to be quite exciting with that tough schedule that Bellarmine has in store. But hey, look at it this way. With those brutal games that Bellarmine will be playing early in the season, yeah, not only might they steal a few of those, but they will certainly be battle-tested and ready to really make a lot of racket come conference play and then the conference tournament. Maybe if they play their cards right, they can finagle their way into the NCAA tournament, and an exception can be made for them. But even if not, the four-year transition phase will be over two years from now. And after that, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that Bellarmine will be regular participants in the NCAA tournament. I'm just certain of it. So... Thanks so much to Doug Ormay for coming along with me today. And thanks to you folks for enjoying our conversation. Could not have been more pleasurable, at least for me. Now, if you'd like to recommend other people with connections to Kentucky that you'd like to hear featured, whether they be sports play-by-play, men and women, color commentators, sideline reporters, even if they're not related to sports. I still want to hear about them, so shoot me those emails at bluegrassblabbing at gmail.com. B-L-U-E-G-R-A-S-S-B-L-A-B-B-I-N at gmail.com. For those of you that are new to the program, I've been known to feature restaurants, State parks, musicians, educators, bottom line, all the people and places that make this state so great. That's my goal on a weekly basis, and your help is always, always valued and appreciated. Also, don't hesitate to reach out to me via the Facebook page. Just search Blavin in the Bluegrass. You will find us real easily. Please like and follow us because all of my previous shows are there. And if you missed any or you just want to go back and relive some that you really enjoyed, 
they're all at your fingertips. And I post teasers on future shows pretty much once a week. At least that's the average. So you can uh, stay up to speed with the upcoming plans. You can make comments, leave messages, and nothing would excite me more than to hear from you via that platform too. Now, if all goes as planned, we are coming back at you next Wednesday. That would be August 24th. So make sure you're here or this show will not be complete. I promise you. You are the glue that keeps this thing together. But before we bid you adieu for this week, I have the long-awaited answer of this week's Bluegrass Brain Buster, which we brought to you at the beginning of the show. Not quite as brain-busting as uh, some of my others, but you need a break, right? Hey, you had a 50-50 shot this time because it is a true-false question. True or false, the number of bourbon barrels in Kentucky is equal to the state population. That is, my friends, false. In fact, according to the KDA, Kentucky Distillers Association, the number of bourbon barrels in Kentucky is greater than the number of people in Kentucky. And I guess we shouldn't be terribly surprised when we consider that bourbon is an $8.6 billion, billion with a B, $8.6 billion industry in Kentucky. So, in fact, there are more bourbon barrels in Kentucky than there are people, interestingly enough. Come on back next week. We'll have another Brain Buster, and make sure that you listen and subscribe without paying a dime each week via Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and or Verbal. These podcast directories are all free. They're all very easy to use and very accessible avenues for you to use to keep me company each and every week here on Blabbing in the Bluegrass. So until we meet again, do me a favor, keep laughing, keep smiling, and keep blabbing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide because we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste.